Matthew chapter 11. The message is entitled, Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Blessed is he who is not offended by me. Matthew chapter 11 verses 1 through 6. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Other versions say, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Another version said, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Today I'd like to focus our attention upon verse 6. Now in one way it's hard to believe that anyone could possibly be offended by Jesus, the perfect Son of God. What could he possibly do that would be offensive? He's God. He's perfect. He's sacrificial. He's holy. He is love. He is the embodiment of everything that is good and everything that is right and everything that is holy. How could he possibly be the cause for offense or stumbling? How could he be the cause for someone falling away? Yet we know that the prophet Isaiah wrote, See, I lay in Zion a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Jesus is perfect. Yet people are going to be offended by him. My personality is not to try to be offensive, but the reality of it is if you're married to anybody, there's a temptation to be offended. If you work with anybody, there's a chance, there's an opportunity where you might be offended. If you work for somebody, you might be offended. If somebody works for you, they might be offended. If you live next to somebody, you might be offended. Sometimes if you breathe, you might be offended. Okay, So there's a temptation, there's going to be an opportunity that if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you know him, there's going to be an opportunity for you to be offended by him. Even though he's perfect and holy, he's sacrificial, he loves you, he gave his life for you, he has your best interest in mind, even though we know that. There are opportunities that you and I have and that are going to come up for us to be offended by him. Yet Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended by me. May I suggest to you that the cause for offense does not rest in Jesus, the Holy One. That if you're offended, now if you're offended you could be offended by me because I say dumb things or do dumb things sometimes. But if you're offended... The cause for offense is not in Jesus. The cause for offense is in the one offended. So just get this straight. If there's a problem between me and Jesus, I can rest assured that the problem is with me, with my understanding, with my interpretation, with the way I'm seeing things. It's not on his side. 
The John that's spoken of here is Jesus' relative, John the Baptist. And John had a divine calling upon his life to prepare the way of the Lord. Some of you are familiar with his family. His parents were Zechariah, his father, he was a priest. His mother was Elizabeth, and she was older, and she was barren. They weren't able to have children. That was one of the greatest sorrows in their life, one of the things that they spent a lot of time praying about and desiring. In Luke chapter 1, verse 8, it gives us this account of before John is born, it gives the account of Zechariah, his father, and an encounter with an angel. Luke chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. For somebody, you need to hear that. Don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer was heard the first time that you prayed it. Remember Daniel? when the angel appeared to him, the Lord heard your prayer the first time you offered it up. Friends, God is not deaf. He hears your prayers. He hears your calls, your cries to him. He says, your prayer was heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words. Which will come true at their appointed time. That appointed time should kind of stick out to you. The word of God is going to come true at their appointed time. After this encounter, we understand this. Zechariah comes out, he can't speak. It's like charade day as Zechariah comes out. He cannot utter a word. Now when his time of service is over, he goes home and he sleeps with his wife and she becomes pregnant. Simultaneously, six months later, in the sixth month of her pregnancy, an angel appears to the Virgin Mary and tells her, that she's going to have a child. Mary sings, and he says that even her relative Elizabeth is in her sixth month. So the scripture tells us that Mary travels to visit her. And then the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 40, that she entered Zechariah's home and that Mary greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, 
the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she proclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. I hope that you grasp that. Somehow, John the Baptist, in vitro, while he was in his mother's womb, not yet born, John the Baptist recognized the seed that was developing in Mary's womb, the seed of the Messiah, and he leaped for joy. Do you grasp that? John is six months old in the womb, six months along in his development. Mary just finds out that she is with child, and whenever her voice hits the ears of Elizabeth, the Spirit of God. Now, the Bible says that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. The Spirit of God that dwelt inside of John the Baptist before he was ever born recognized the seed of the Messiah and his body leaped for joy. That was the response that he had. That's an incredible thing. So that shows us that John somehow, he had a recognition. He somehow, before he was born, I don't know if you're getting, before he was born, he recognized the Messiah. He recognized who Jesus was before he was even born. Now, I want you to think about it. He, he, you know, he didn't have time to grow. He didn't have some time for somebody to disciple him. He wasn't in kids' ministry yet. Before he was born, John the Baptist recognized who Jesus was by the Spirit of God. That's really important because in a few moments we're going to look at the question that John had. Okay, And it kind of shows us this vulnerability that we have as human beings. When John was born, the people asked, what's his name? And they're thinking, are you going to name him Zachariah Jr.? And his mom said his name's John. They look to Zachariah, and Zachariah writes down, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and he could speak. He had been unable to speak for months. I'm telling you, the word of the Lord is true. When God speaks to you, John knew who Jesus was even in his mother's womb. It was John the Baptist who said, as Jesus comes up, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was John who said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John came preaching a message of repentance and judgment. He says God's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. John was a prophet. I mean, he's a serious dude. He's out in the wilderness. He's fasting. John's intense. And he says, you guys need to get right because God is bringing his judgment. Messiah's coming and he's going to burn stuff up. John knew who Jesus was before he was born. You got to understand that. He recognized him. When he sees Jesus walking up, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. 
God's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. John then finds himself in the fire. Have you ever found yourself in the fire? You know what God said. You've been called by God. You've been anointed by God. God's stamp of approval is on your life. And then you find yourself in the fire. The three Hebrew children found themselves there. But in the midst of it, Jesus showed up. When you find yourself in the fire, when you find yourself in the difficult places, that Jesus shows up. Sometimes you don't see him, you don't recognize him, but he shows up for you. John was in the fire of suffering. He had been imprisoned because he confronted Herod Antipas about his adulterous relationship with his brother's wife, Herodias. Herod liked to hear what John had to say. He didn't necessarily care for the things that John was saying. He has him thrown into prison. And later on, it would be Herodias' daughter. Do you remember what she did? She comes in before Herod. And she does this seductive dance. And this idiot says, I'll give you anything you ask of me. Anything you ask me. I think it was up to half the kingdom. Whatever you want. That's like the stupidity of men. Somebody say amen to that one. All right. It'll cost you a lot. You don't need to go down that road. There's some streets you don't even need to go down. There's some streets you don't need to go down. You don't even turn your head that way. You go the other way. Proverbs talks about that. Herod is so inflamed by her. He says, I'll give you whatever you want. And and so she goes to her mom and she says, what should I ask for? And she says, get the head of John the Baptist. And so they send out the executioner at this party. He goes to the prison and cuts off John's head and brings John's head back on a platter. What a crazy thing. That was how John's life, that's what happened. John had been in prison for some time. And I believe that this is my understanding. Some people say, oh, John never doubted. He knew who Jesus was. Well, let me ask you. Some of you know who Jesus is. But there's some situations that cause offense for you. You can't tell me you haven't met him. You can't tell me you haven't encountered him. You can't tell me he's not shown up in your life and proven himself to be real. You can't tell me that his spirit has not bore witness with your spirit and you've encountered him and you said he's the savior. He's the Messiah. He's the one who's forgiven me. I need him. He is God. You've had those encounters, but there are times in life, there are situations in life that bring up an opportunity for you to be offended by him. I believe for John it was, I'm preaching. I'm doing what you ask, and I'm stuck here in this prison cell. I've been telling people when he comes, he's going to bring judgment. He is going to judge the world of sin. He's going to purge the nation of sin and judge sin. This is not how I thought it was going to be. This is not how I thought it was going to work out. Have any of you ever been in an experience like that? You're following God. You're doing what he asks. This isn't what you signed up for. This isn't how you thought it was going to work out. This isn't how you thought things were going to happen. I believe that John was worn down by his circumstances and unmet expectations. John sends words to Jesus to his disciples. As I said, you see, John had announced the coming of the king and had promised the time of judgment and purging. Yet Jesus was having a ministry of mercy. John says, 
Are you the Messiah? Or do we look for another of a different kind? One who will purge the nation and judge sin. Are you who I think you are? I don't understand what's going on. Are you really the Messiah? Or are we looking for another? Jesus' answer was to direct John's disciples' attention to the acts of mercy he was performing. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. You see, John would grasp the meaning of this. John, like Jesus, was steeped in the Old Testament and and the teachings of God's word. His thought would turn to Isaiah 35. And he would remember the prophet's words about the glory and the majesty of God. Isaiah 35, 3 says, Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. John envisioned the glory primarily as recompense. He saw the evil. He saw the injustice of the world. And he says when Messiah comes, he's going to make those things right. He's going to clean house. There's certain people that that's their gifting. God gives them a gift and he shows them things. And that was his focus. He's going to judge sin. And then John finds himself in prison. The one who was used to proclaiming and preaching, they've shut his mouth. He can preach if whatever guard comes in. He can talk to a few of his disciples that come around, but things aren't working the way that he thought. But here, the glory of God was also to be seen in the gracious care of the Messiah for men and women in need. John did not understand that the servant ministry of Jesus had to come first. But I believe that the report reassured him. Jesus was doing what the scripture foretold the Messiah would do. Now here's the reality for us. One of the things I want to point out, Jesus waits till he goes, go tell them. And so the people, as they leave, John's disciples are leaving. He waits till they're leaving. Pastor Rodney, I think you pointed that out to me. He waits till they're leaving. They're gone. They're walking out. They're going out the door. Then he starts telling everybody, there's nobody like John. He goes on this discourse about how powerful John's ministry is and about how powerful his anointing is and about how God has used him. But I don't know that John got to hear that. I don't know if he got to hear that. Sometimes God makes you. He doesn't tell you some things. He might brag about you. I don't think Job got to hear what God spoke to Satan and all the the principalities and the angels. I don't think Job got to hear what God thought about him until after the fight. I don't think he did. Sometimes God doesn't tell you. He kind of lets you in the dark. Any of you ever been there? You ever been there? It stinks. It stinks. 
but it's good because it makes me trust him. But God tests us sometimes. He lets us wait sometimes. He doesn't show us the, the whole thing. He doesn't show us the whole picture. He asks you, will you trust me? Will you walk with me? Will you obey me? So Jesus, he waits till they leave. And then he brags about John. So here, he really just gives him this picture of that this for John, it was a temptation to be to be offended by. Because I didn't think this is the way it's gonna work. This is the way I picture Messiah coming. This is the way I picture life going. Crud, I didn't think it was gonna go this way. I didn't think it was gonna go this way. Any of you been there? I didn't think this is the way you were going to walk me through. I didn't think you were going to use a trial to shape me. I thought you could just talk to me. My dad always said, you know, I can talk to you, get in your ears. I could drive it up from the bottom, whichever way you prefer. I like it when you talk to me, Lord. I like when you show me, when you explain to me what you're doing. And then I can say, okay. There's going to be a temptation. If you haven't been there, there will be a temptation of your life for Jesus to be an offense to you. Some people will turn away. You've had a lot of those times, haven't you? Some of you in this room, you've had a lot of those offenses where you could turn away from him. Jesus says this, blessed is he who's not offended in me. Fortunate to be envied. Now we can't determine, we don't get to determine the things that come our way. We do get to determine our response to what comes. I can't control that's one of the things cool about self-control when my kids are little I tell them that teach them that self-control you get to determine what your response is you get to be bitter at God you get to be angry at him you get to turn away from him or you can choose to say one of the things that concerns me with some teachings is that everything's always going to go your way if you got enough faith if you say everything right if you do this right, don't imagine John. John probably said, well, if I'd have just said the right thing, they wouldn't have cut my head off. Like there's a lot of people. We get condemned and we feel bad because sometimes things don't go the way that we think. But it comes down to this. So will you trust me? That's what he's asking. Will you walk with me? And so in this room, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, there's people in this room who Jesus has offended you. You've been offended by him. As you look back and you think, you think, well, but wait a minute, Pastor, he's perfect. No, you've taken offense at him. I want to give you a chance just to simply get real with God. And all across this room, 
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I believe that we have the Lord's attention in this room. And what you're doing is you're, you're speaking up to him in this moment, in this moment in time. And maybe you've not verbalized it, but there's some places where you've been offended by Jesus. You don't understand. That causes you to question. That causes you to doubt. Causes you to hold back from him. But you don't want that. You don't, you don't want to be mad at him anymore. You don't want to be afraid and stay away. That's what the enemy does. He puts those things in our way so that we question the goodness of the Lord, that we question his love for us, we question his faithfulness to us because of what people did or circumstances or, or how things went. We doubt his goodness. Are you really who you say you are? What are you doing? I don't understand. And this is what we're going to do. When you respond, by you responding today, you're making the determination that you're going to let that go. You're not going to carry it out of this room today. Absolutely not. Some of you are like, praise God for that. You're not carrying it out of this room. Today, you're here, and you got some things where you've been offended by God. They've caused you to stumble. You just say, God, I'm choosing to trust you. If that's you today, can I just get you to raise your hand? I know it's going to be all across this room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's offended you. You've been offended. Lord, as we lift our hands to you, we raise our hands to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. That through your word you've spoken and you put your finger on a place in our heart that Jesus wants to heal. You say, blessed are those who are not offended in me. So Lord, today, the circumstances and situations in life that have come our way, the way things have worked out, the things that we don't understand, the things that sometimes there's no answer to and we process them in our mind and we just don't understand. We bring those things before you and we lay them at your feet. We choose to trust you. As we raise our hands, it's a place of surrendering those things unto you and a determination in this moment that I'm going to trust you because I know that you're good. Because your Holy Spirit has spoken to me. I know that you're good because you picked me up out of the pit. You called me your own. You adopted me into your family. I know that you're good because it's in you that I have peace. We know that you're good because it's only in you that we find real satisfaction. And so, Father, I pray that as my friends have responded to you, I ask the Holy Spirit just wash over them. Every burden, Lord, every bit of sorrow and resentment and confusion, I declare them to be gone in Jesus' name. I ask that the Holy Spirit would just fill their hearts. Right now, Lord, let the Holy Spirit fill their heart. The Word says that you pour in the oil and the wine 
Lord, it's the kind that restores our soul. Pour in the oil and the wine, Lord, to heal and to soothe the hearts of men and women. I pray, Lord, that all the walls that have been set up, the barriers that cause us to stay back from you, I ask that those would be gone right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that people would literally sense walls going down and barriers going down. Lord, some people would say, God, how could you let that happen? How could you let that happen? I trust you. God, I pray that those walls would be broken down. And Lord, I pray that people would fall back in love with you. I pray that you'd overwhelm them with your goodness and with your mercy. I pray that you would show them your great devotion and love for them. Father, strengthen the people of God today, I pray. I pray when the enemy tries to bring that resentment back up, Lord. God, there's some things that only the Spirit of God can do. We can work with you. We can cooperate with you. But it takes a work of the Holy Spirit. So I pray in this room that the Holy Spirit would walk about each pew. I pray that you would move throughout the pews and that you would heal people's hearts. And when they go out of here, they would literally sense and feel a marked difference. I just declare this. There's some people, the Holy Spirit just doing surgery in your heart. He's doing something deep inside of you that all the money you could spend on counseling, thank God for good counselors, but Holy Spirit can heal. He can mend the brokenhearted. All the things that you try to do to heal those things, all the good self-talk that you do, can't touch those places, but the Holy Spirit can. And so, Father, I pray that you would heal the brokenhearted today. I pray that faith would rise in people's hearts and a sense of well-being. Let it be theirs. Let them just know that you're with them, God. Father, I pray that the people of God would be able to hear your voice, that they'd listen and they'd yield themselves to you. And I pray as a result of that, Father, I pray that you would fulfill your purposes and your plans in our lives in the name of Jesus. Right now, I pray for all bitterness and resentment towards people who have hurt you, towards God for letting that stuff happen. I pray that that would drain out of your body. Let your blessing rest upon this people. May they go out of here so full of the Holy Spirit, so full of the Holy Spirit that they overflow. Lord, the word, thank you for the word that says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. May they not have to run after a blessing, but may, Lord, may they, after being in your presence, may they encounter you and may they go forth being a blessing to everybody they come in contact with. Just filled up, just to overflowing, I pray. In Jesus' holy name, thank you for it, Lord.